What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. It's finally here, like we promised. Show and go with Taylor Davis. So excited to be along for the ride. Jack McMullen here with you. Uh, we met in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is wonderful with the AAA affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates. You are wearing your Pirates. What is that, like a hitting? That's not a hitting jacket. Is that just a it's simple like, pullover? Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a BP pullover, I guess you could call it. I don't okay. know. It's comfortable. There we go. Ta- Taylor Davis, give me your, like, credentials, right? I mean, you've gotten a couple tastes of the bigs. You've spent what just about a decade and a half in affiliated baseball what's the word yeah 2011 was my first year and then parts of five years in the big leagues um 17 18 19 21 and then one day in 22 yes um but uh yeah so it went to moorhead state played three years at moorhead state university um yeah man uh got drafted out of high school by the marlins uh kind of a little yeah yeah but then not drafted out of college which is kind of wild um this is gonna be good man this is just baseball's player driven podcast it is hosted by a player taylor davis has been an affiliated baseball like you heard since 2011 was a former moorhead state eagle has experience on the cape um he's got experience interacting with tons and tons of guys and that's going to be one of the great things to come from this podcast we get to talk to tons and tons of guys so you're listening to episode one right now. Episode two is going to be a conversation with a guy that threw a no-hitter in 2020 in Alec Mills. And we've got uh, some top flight guests that have already said yes to coming on. So uh, be sure to subscribe right away without hearing us say anything. But uh, if you know me, it's probably from the Just Baseball Show, our flagship podcast on this network. Um, we'll also pitch in on the call-up, which is a good one if you are interested in uh, in the prospect world. And Taylor, I know you are, having spent as much time in minor league baseball as you have, right? You see these young stars coming up and like the talent in major league baseball is obviously second to none right now. It's in terms of just sheer tools, baseball is probably the toolsiest that it has ever been outside of the steroid era. You see that in minor league baseball right now, too. We've got some absolute freak shows in the minor league ranks. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, people can say what they want about the, uh, honestly, my era of baseball where I grew up, I really think is going to be, you can call it like the showcase era, right? Like right. my class was like the first class, like that era that had perfect game, um, that had all that stuff. And, you know, let's take the pros and cons. I think it turns some guys away from baseball a bit and into yeah. I want to impress you at a showcase, yeah. which was really difficult for somebody like me. You know, I'm I'm not big in stature. I don't look like a professional baseball player by any means. Um, but typically when I go out on a baseball field, I, I do the job that's asked of me. And that, that, that helped me throughout my career. Uh, but, you know, I've always said that right now, if I was coming back through, this would be very difficult for me because of just the way that baseball is. And like you said, Tools are so important, um, and obviously tools are important anyway. Yeah. Uh, but the athlete in general is just right now in today's in any sport, the athlete in general, and you see it in all sports. I mean, you see non-power five college football, college basketball teams handily beating power five teams. Um, you know, it's just I, I really believe that there's so many athletes around that um, can do this. But right now, the minor leagues is just filled with guys that have a tool, at least a tool here or there, um, that's special. 
Um, you know, I think that obviously you and me got to watch one of those guys this year for, for quite a bit. No Neil Cruz. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's one of the most special talents this game's ever seen, honestly, like as far as talent goes, um, Austin Bryce, who at some point will be on this show, yeah. Austin Bryce said that he's, the, he thinks he's the greatest athlete on the field in any game he's in. And I, wow. you know, I, he's the best athlete he's ever seen. And I, I don't know that I can truly deny that. Like I, I don't know that I could find somebody that could throw the ball harder than him at shortstop. We definitely know he hits the ball harder than anybody on the planet. Correct. And he can really run. Like if you're looking at the tools, like I always say, like when I watch uh, foreign players play, I always think about like, man, can you imagine that guy at a showcase? Right. Right. Just a freak. And, you know, I, I will say like, and part of me is thinking, okay, just wait till the pirates, you know, host the Angels or go to Anaheim, right? Then he's not because you got Otani. But then again, if if you had them simply line up next to each other and measure everything, there's a chance that O'Neill is clearing Otani in several categories and several of the categories that, you know, we place on this pedestal, right? Like Otani throws 97 and 99 on the mound. But across the diamond, who's going to throw it harder on the crow hop? It might be Otani. But O'Neill will beat him in a foot race. He's going to hit a ball farther. I'm like in a combine, I'm taking O'Neill. Yeah, which is crazy, dude. I, I can't wait to get into these conversations with you because I love what you bring up about the showcase era. And, and I think that's something that we like doing at the Just Baseball Show, but I I don't think we do a good enough job of really unpacking that stuff. And we get to really unpack that stuff because – we watch baseball and a lot of fans, a lot of old baseball fans, and I, I can put fans in quotes, you know, are telling me like, oh, baseball's ruined. They are deterred from the sport right now because of how showcase skill oriented it's become, right? Guys are trying to, you know, hit the highest number on the radar gun. They're they're trying to light up the rap soto with a 2,500 RPM fastball, or or they're trying to hit a ball 120 miles an hour like O'Neill and like only O'Neill and Stanton and, and Judge can at this point in time. But, I mean, there's so, so, so much raw talent, and I can't wait to get into the pros and cons of each of these types of conversations. And we're going to have the pitching conversations. We're going to have the hitting conversations. Obviously you are a hitter, but you are also a catcher, which is perfect. Absolutely. Catchers make the best managers. I like to think that catchers will make the best podcast hosts as well. Fair. <laughs> I hope so. I'd like to make a good man. You know, I I've always said when I'm done playing that I want to be a major league manager. So hopefully one day everybody gets to see that after listening to the podcast. Oh, yeah, man. We were just talking before we recorded about the the physical process because you just went to the dock today and you're in the free agency process right now, right? I'm sure you're you're looking for the minor league free agent deal to come back and, you know, you're going to have to go through that process. And we keep on inching along in this Carlos Correa saga and nothing's effing happening. I'm not sure why. Uh, Correa, obviously, there's a problem with and I think it's been well reported because his right leg that he broke in t- when he was like 18 or 19 years old, and apparently it didn't heal properly. And uh, according to SNY on Thursday, January 5th, the Mets are still confident that the deal is going to get done, but it's going to be vastly restructured. And the first question that I want to throw your way about this whole thing is why on earth do we think it's taking so long? 
So I, you know, the one, the one response that I'll have for you, I guess, would just probably be the, the, the statements that are coming from Bor the Boris Corp and, and Correa side in that they don't want to restructure a deal. So if they don't want to restructure it, that's what we're being told is that they don't want to restructure a deal. And we saw that clearly, right? When the giants needed some more time or wanted to restructure, they were not happy doing that. So they went and, and did this. Um, my only guess is that there's just some disagreements there. Uh, it's a little interesting to me that it's so quiet. Um, it just feels like, and I think that's why everybody's feels like this is an odd time because it, normally when something this big is happening, you're getting updates, you're getting this and that, <clears throat> and everybody's just keeping everything really close to their chest. Um, I, I'm interested to see how this looks. I, I think that, uh, I think that it could be good for, for both sides still. I think that there's a chance that it's restructured correctly, obviously. Um, but it's interesting. And I, I'm not sure why why we're just not hearing anything. You know, that's what we talked about before the show is like, we're getting to this weird. It's I mean, how long has it been? How long has it been since he agreed to terms? Oof. And not a month, a little bit less. And you've got, I mean, and, I, and, and given you've got Christmas and you've got New Year's built in there, but um, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer. I, I think that they have to be getting close at this point because we're in January. You know, we're like, we're to the point now where if they don't get Carlos Correa, they're going to have to figure something else out. And yeah. on Carlos Correa's side, we're close enough now that everybody else is going to be figuring out their rosters without Carlos Correa. And typically that's not a huge deal for a guy, right? That's not a huge deal for somebody to overcome, but it is for somebody that's going to get $315 million. Correct. So that number has dropped from 350 to 315. $350 million with San Francisco. That fell through. And now it's 12 years, 315 with the Mets. So my question then becomes, you know, how, how much longer do they have? And if the Boris Corp and Carlos Correa are not willing to budge on this number, who the hell is going to give him this number? Like, is there another team out there that's going to give him this number? Obviously, there's something concerning with the physical, and I I don't know. Quick aside, that results in a question for you. How did this fly under the radar with Minnesota when they signed him to that one plus one plus one last year? So somebody, and I don't remember who reported this, but somebody, I actually remember specifically reading that Minnesota said, if we want to re-sign you again, this was prior to all that, if we want to re-sign you again, it's going to be a stricter physical process. So mm -hmm. some, something in there that, you know, you saw, and I think their thought there was, it was a one, one, one worst case scenario. You're here three years since 2014, which I believe is when the injury was since 2014, he has not missed any time on the field due to that injury. Due to that so injury. In, yeah. That's the weirdest thing about all this. Yes. That, that to me, me also, I, I, I think the same. I, the only thing I could give you is like, are they blaming the back injuries on the leg? And if you're blaming the back on the leg, now maybe we're talking to talking about something. I, my gut tells me that the number is going to be similar. It's going to be with the Mets. There just may be some clauses in there yeah. that hey, if I miss a year's worth of time, and and because they're not let's let's be honest, the Steve Cohen, the Mets are not worried about him missing two weeks. They're not worried about him missing a month. They're worried about that leg getting hurt, injured, injured again. Yes. And him missing a year, a year and a half, potentially not playing. Again. So I think that you could be looking at something like that. I read a really interesting 
proposal. I don't remember who wrote this out, but it like it it basically gave the team opt outs if he missed X amount of time. So hmm. like if we get to you know if you've missed a year of time up like by year eight, we can opt out of the last four. Um, something like that. Now whether the now look and this is the thing that none of us you know none of us can control and the one thing that some fans don't even know but you know the union and um you know manfred have to sign off on this yeah so even if they come to an agreement it's not a done deal uh because i do think this is going to be a crazy looking contract on paper i think that that could be something that we might not have seen which you know change is always scary and so we'll see kind of how that how that shakes out but i do think i do think he stays with the mets i do think they make the push and you know i've said this and i i i am i hope he stays with the mets because i think it's really good for baseball to have francisco lindor and carlos correa the the two best the two you know pre the two premier puerto ricans in baseball on the same team in a city that loves Puerto Ricans. Exactly. New York City is, it's San Juan North. I mean, there are so many Puerto Ricans in New York City. This would be perfect. And um, it was so funny, man. Last time we talked, um, I was in San Juan. And I was, my girlfriend and her family was coming down. Right after we talked, I I met up with my girlfriend and her family and all of her extended family. They're Puerto Ricans. So uh, all the aunts and uncles still live on the island. And I met her aunt for the first time. I think I made a good impression, but we will see. Uh, but when I when I met her aunt for the first time, she knew that I like worked in baseball just because of what my girlfriend had said to her. And, you know, she said, hi, nice to meet you. What the heck is going on with Carlos Correa? I love him. Why has he not signed this contract yet? And I'm like, this is the energy that I need. And they grew up in the Bronx and then they moved back to San Juan. Their parents were from San Juan. So I it would be great for them to be on the left side of the infield together in a place like New York. I love that. And you say that this could be an unprecedented contract structure. And to that, I say that wouldn't even be the first one in the last 365 days that is quote unquote unprecedented because remember what Julio Rodriguez signed later this summer, right? It was this like vesting option galore escalators galore pre-arb zeal contract well well depoto kind of started that trend with kikuchi with those four consecutive i think it was four right if if the uh the team had the option to pick up four consecutive it was a team option but it was four years of team options at once so okay so it was like at this point in the contract, you make a decision on the next four years. Yeah. So, like, go look it up. I think he signed, like, a three-year deal with a team that. option for for four more at, like, 15 a year or a player option, which he took. Huh. If you can find that. Um, but, so, so yeah. I mean, he, sta- he kind of started that trend um, – of doing that. And so, yeah, it's a cool trend. I, but I agree with you. I mean, some of these, you know, and teams are going to start getting, you find it. Yeah. Three year, $43 million in January of 2019. So ahead of the 2019 season. So this was 19, 20 and 21 signed three years, 43 million, including a four year, $66 million club extension that was available. The club did not use that. Kikuchi 
had a had a thirteen year million or had a thirteen million dollar player option available. So, uh, no, he declined he? that. Oh, he declined it. Declined and it. then he took three for thirty six with Toronto. So yeah. it, again, very simply, three for forty three. He played through the entirety of that. At the end of three for forty three, Seattle had the option of a four year sixty six million dollar club extension. They did not take that. Turned into a thirteen million dollar player option. He did not take that. So he took three years, 36, which is yeah. 12 AAV. But it's but it's super interesting uh, to see something like that. I love seeing, you know, new stuff. I think it's, it's uh, you know, change is always good for our game. I think that, um, you know, and one thing I want to I want to actually kind of circle back just a little bit. Um, yeah. th- let me say this about Carlos Correa, too, though. So one thing I also think about Carlos Correa, the, one of the other reasons I think he's staying in New York Met is because – I do think that the Mets were not the only team that, and this is just a guess, were not the only team that tried to steal him away when everything happened with San Francisco. Yeah, I would go to guess that that LA put a put a bid in there. Um, the Mets did potentially the Yankees. I think there are a couple other teams that could have. I question now that a second team has raised these issues that a third team would try to swoop in because unless he's willing to take another similar deal to Minnesota, if, like if, if, if he was willing to take a Trevor Bauer deal, I think that LA might do that. Right. But I don't think they would be willing right now to give him 12 years. And I don't think that Carlos Correa is willing to take another short-term deal anymore. Yeah. Because if he was going to do that, he would have just stayed in Minnesota because he was going to make 36 again. Like that's the thing. So if he was ready to do that, that would be great. But, you know, so much of the conversation last year around Correa was, yes, he signed this shorter term deal because he changed agencies. He was represented by Scott Boris and there was going to be a large cut taken out uh, if he had signed, you know, a multi-year deal. No, 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 no. He was not represented by Scott Boris. He was he is now, now represented. He is now represented. Yes. Right? If he signed a multi-year or if he signed more than three, a, more than three, more than three, they would have taken the agent cut and Boris would have not gotten it. I, be, I believe, I believe that is, I believe the structure was that if he took a multi-year deal, which was more than three years, they got some significant cut. Yeah. There um, we go. His so, old agency. One year, and then this mega deal that that isn't really working out right now, but we hope that it does work yeah. out. Last thing on the Mets before we move to this Rafi Devers extension, um, I I've been fascinated by the way they've gone about it. Obviously, all eyes are on Steve Cohen and, and the money that he is dropping, but I do like want a golf clap for Billy Epler, their GM, because it feels like he is attacking the right guys and paying them in the right. No way. doubt. No like, doubt. They're not just going and getting middle of the road guys and paying high end prices for them. No, it's 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 not even like they've got this big board and it's like, oh, well, we can afford one, two and three. Maybe it's one, six, seven and twelve on their big board that they wanted. And they go after them because they believe yeah. that they are better fits for the New York Mets, which is really, really fun to see Billy Epler, the GM, do his thing and Steve Cohen fund the process. How do you feel like that dynamic is working right now? I feel like I would love to be Billy Epler. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, I think that it would be incredibly fun to basically have a blank check, seemingly have a blank check to get guys. Uh, I totally agree with you. You know, one thing I 
I had a conversation with uh, with actually with Peter about this. Um, I was a little bit upset with the Degrom thing because I do think he's the best pitcher in the game. I think that clearly he's got to stay on the field. I grasp that. The one thing that I liked about the Verlander instead of uh, Degrom was you knew that in two years you were going to have to make a decision because Max Scherzer was going to be off the books. Yes, and. I think that having DeGrom on the books for another three after that is fantastic. I still think he's going to be the best pitcher in baseball. I just think that you get to truly reset in two years. You get to make a decision on where you want to go because you're losing $90 million off your payroll. So, or 86. So I think that um, that was a really good decision. I, I think I, you're totally right, though. Like, they're not just going out and spending money to spend money. They're not buying at positions that they have guys – I say that and they went and signed the best shortstop in the market when they have yeah. Francisco Lindor, but they, they're not just going and, and, and doing stuff to do it. They're, they're absolutely filling the holes they need. <clears throat> one interesting piece to this to me is I, I, now one, I do think this is really good for baseball. I think that you're, you're, you know, spending money is good. I think that it'll be, you know, hopefully for the Mets, it works. Hopefully I think it'll be a good thing for baseball if it works because a team that spends money wins. It's a really good thing. Uh, the interesting, the interesting part of, of him spending all this money to me will be, d- does it continue, right? Like, does he keep spending this money um, after this year, right? Like, has he just tried to put together this team? Now, the reason that I want teams to spend money is because I want everybody to compete. Yes. Now, does that mean you have to spend money to compete? No. No. But what I do think is that the New York Mets, this is the interesting, this is, this is what I was trying to get at. The New York Mets today are they the are they the World Series favorites today? Uh, in terms of betting odds, I have no idea. While you talk, I'm going to pull that up. Okay, so so even the fact that you question that with how much money they've spent, it shows me that that's how far the Mets were. That's a great point, and that's kind of my take on this whole situation: is that Steve Cohen is not necessarily like obviously he's trying to build a monster. That's his goal. But the reality is, before you do that, you got to win. And yeah, they won a lot of games last year. They struggled down the stretch. Um, there were some places they could improve. They're improving. Uh, you re-signed arguably the best closer in baseball. You got arguably the best shortstop in baseball to play third base. Um, so, well, hopefully. Um, you know, you did some things like that. I even think like the Omar Narvaez, like the mini the, the mini Omar Narvaez move is a great move for that team. Yes. Um you know, there's stuff like that. But my whole take here is that I, I want baseball fans to look at this and not go, man, he's just spending money to spend money. No, he's spending money to compete. And the reality of the situation is the Mets haven't won the World Series in a long time. Yeah. And they needed this money to compete. And the other reality is you're doing it in now, arguably the best division in baseball. Correct. And you're going to have to compete with Atlanta and what Anthopolis is doing is just it's 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 cr- that team for the next 7 years yeah it's it's crazy i want to talk about that in a moment okay. but my, my final piece on the mets and i've got yes. world series odds here there are three teams that are tied for being the odds on favorite the mets the yankees and the houston astros are all plus 650 to win the world series And yes, the Mets and Yankees have the two highest payrolls in baseball going into 2023, but the Mets are spending $140 million more than the Houston Astros 
to compete with the Houston Astros. So you have to be able to contend in a certain way. For the Mets, they ID'd it as money. For the Astros, they ID'd it as development. For Tampa, they ID'd it as IDing and development, right? They find pitchers that fit the way Tampa teaches, and they develop those guys uh, within those parameters. My final thing on the Mets here is they set this up really, really well. They handed out a couple of long-term deals, right? Edwin Diaz, Brandon Nimmo, Kodai Sanga. They already had Francisco Lindor on the on the books long-term. At the end of the 2024 season, Justin Verlander, if he throws 140 innings, has a vesting option that comes in play at $35 million. That would be Worth the final it. year. 2025 is the final year of Starling Marte. You don't have Jose Quintana after the 2024 season. You don't have Mark Canna after 2024. As of right now, Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil are slated to hit free agency after the 2024 season. So the timeline works really well. They've got yeah. two seasons to spend a shit ton of money to figure out if they're going to win the World Series or not with this group. After 2024, if they feel like this isn't the right group, for the most part, aside from Lindor, Diaz, Nimmo, and Sanga, you can start from scratch. And those are and, four and, and, guys. And think about that. Like, think about just saying that, though. Like, even in just saying that, you've now said after that, if they want to restart, they've got their starting center fielder, they've got their closer, they've, they've got, got their, their shortstop, shortstop, they've got their third baseman, hopefully, and potentially Kodai Senga being a, a number one or number two. Yes. So, <clears throat> yes, they are resetting with and, a great piece. And by the way, they've got Beatty and Alvarez both pre-arb at that time. So you've got Beatty. Yeah, do you and... think they do they stay? Do do, do Beatty and, and Alvarez stay? I think so. Yes, I think Francisco Alvarez stays for sure. I'm not sure about okay. Beatty. I I think that at least one of them is moved either this deadline or next deadline to make a make make a push for something. Interesting. Um, it, it, I mean, look. Let's be honest. If Correa signs. No offense to Brett Beatty. I'm taking Carlos Correa. Correct. Eight days out of seven because he has proven he can do it. Not saying Brett's not going to do it. Right. So Liam Hendricks is apparently available. Liam Hendricks for Beatty straight up. Does that make sense? What is what is the what is uh so right now, who is eight? Adam Ottavino? Yes, Ottavino. Uh here, let me pull up their roster resource. Yeah. Cause I, um. I I that mean, Diaz be... is their closer. Mm-hmm. They've got Ottavino inked. Uh, they've got David Robertson inked. Forgot about that yeah. deal. Brooks it Raley. was really good. Yep. Brooks Raley, Drew Smith, David Peterson, John Curtis, Eliezer Hernandez. You could add yeah. like the best setup guy yeah. in the game with Liam Hendricks. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So go Brett. But if you're the White Sox, do you take that deal? I think so. Really? Who's who's going to play third base to this year for the White Sox? Moncada. Moncada? Why, then why would I do it? Where am I? Where Moncada's under contract for another what? Two years, three, three years. Moncada could also be, he could also move to second, and Beatty could play third. But right now, who's playing second? In, in who's playing second? In nobody, nobody. Lenin Sosa. Uh, or uh, Larry Garcia there. Larry Garcia, yeah. The left-handed Larry Garcia. Yeah, I mean, then that makes sense. Like, why not? Why wouldn't you do that? That that makes both teams better. I I do, you know, one thing I'll 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 say, I've said this and I'll continue to say it, like I do think some 
teams get scared of, of sending prospects away that, that they flourish. Um, they get scared. I think you and me have talked about this, that teams get scared on missing on guys. They, yeah. they potentially hold on to guys too long. Um, you know, like one guy, I like the guy as a person, but one guy that I think has kind of fallen into this rut personally is Carter Keboom. Um, I yeah. think he's a guy that, that there were times where he could have gotten an opportunity to play every day. Not that he didn't. He had, he got some opportunities. Don't get me wrong. But I think there were times that maybe a change of scenery wouldn't have hurt. Um, and, you know, as much as I don't want to believe in a change of scenery because um, there's no evidence to back that up, I believe in it for certain people without question. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to Atlanta real quick here. 2027, opening nice. day. Uh, they have retained Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna Jr., Austin Riley, Ozzy Albies, Michael Harris, Sean Murphy, and Spencer Strider. And Von Grissom's still going to be on the team. Von Grissom will be in his first year of arbitration. I mean, dude. But now, I love it. I absolutely love it. But there's a lot of money being spent, and you haven't locked that. Other than Strider, we haven't locked anybody else down on the mound. So Kyle Wright is he's not off the books until the end of the 2026 season. Okay. So you got Kyle, right? What I'm getting at here is please, please, please extend Max free. Do it. Extend free. Yes. He's in Atlanta. Like I love this. One thing I think we're seeing a little bit more of in baseball with the extensions and stuff are like guys that are loving playing for one team. I really think you're starting to see that. That team is a team that's going to have the potential to do that. And like, that's a selling point. If I'm the Braves, I got guys in house. I'm like, look, like I'm on top of the fact I'm clearly trying to win. I'm doing with our guys, and you're yeah. one of our guys. Like I think that, um, gosh, I just that that to me, if they do that, if you get one more arm, it doesn't have to be Max Freed. I just think he's in house. But I think if you can get one more arm to go with Kyle Wright, um, man, for the ne- I mean, no matter what, for the next three or four years, they're going to be. Crazy, but no, I mean, there's no urgency to do anything right now because you've got you know, freed for the foreseeable right. future, you've got a uh, freed Morton. the last the next two seasons, you've got freed, you've got Morton for the next two seasons, a club option at 20. Uh, you've got Soroka who is going to be an unrestricted free agent after the 2024 season, like that snuck up like crazy, but yeah. that's because he hasn't pitched in a million years. Um, Strider, obviously, long term, I mean, Spencer Strider. This is hilarious. He's making a million this year. He's making a million next year. Four in what would be his first year of arbitration. 20 in year two. 22 in year three. Which, like, in all reality. That's the thing. Take a peek at these numbers. You say that's a lot of money committed, but in a vacuum, tell me if, like, you're okay with these numbers in 2027. Matt Olson at $22 million. Yes. Right. Acuna at 17. Yes. Yes. Riley at 22. Yes. yes. Albies at seven. Oh, gosh. Michael Harris at nine. Murphy at 15. No they, doubt. They're crazy, dude. Yeah. And, and you know, like, this is now, let me give credit. Uh, I, I, the one team that I typically give credit for the early extensions 
working for both the team and the player the best, you know, I think we've talked about this before also, was was Chicago. I think the White Sox, with what they did with Lewis, Luis Robert and with Eloy, yeah. to me, those two deals were so balanced on team and player friendly that I think that kind of changed the way that these teams are offering these deals because now you're seeing – 10 years ago, Michael Harris and Spencer Strider do not get those extensions after that long of a time. Right. Um, you know, now there's been a ton of, 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 of uh, people that have signed these extensions that have got them to that level. But I really point to those two in my mind as the two that were like, man, because when people looked at it, they go, man, you're paying Eloy 70, $80 million. Yeah. But if you break it down, there was a chance he was going to make 60 in, in arbitration. Right. So, in that, yeah, we're also buying two years of free agency. So if he makes 60 in arbitration, now we're buying two years at $20 million. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. The the other one, too, and I think it's really slept on, like, obviously, Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert are the two best examples of that in the White Sox world. Tim Anderson's another great example of that. Right after his rookie year, six years, $25 million. So yeah, but that's a, see, a like, that to me, that's a, that's a deal, like, uh, that's... That's not as team. That's not as player friendly as it is no. team friendly. Yeah, for a guy, for a guy. That that's my point. Is you know, and that's the argument. That's the argument, right? Is that these guys are taking the financial stability early, which, well, I will never doubt that on anybody. Never. Um, but I, I think that that I and honestly, how like what was it? Two years after the Tim Anderson deal, they gave Eloy and and Luis Robert those deals. Yeah, it wasn't very long after. Um. And it's like those deals were so significantly different for now impact players, but Tim Anderson has shown he's clearly an impact player. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think that that really bucked the trend of this because the six at 25, if you go look prior to those two deals, five at 25, six at 25, seven at 35, like that was it. That's what you were getting. If you were signing something pre-arb, um, and now, Spencer Strider and Michael Harris after Riley, a year. Dude. Austin Riley, dude. I mean, well, that was but, crazy. But Austin Riley had a full year of MP, MVP of MVP caliber production prior to that. Right. So that would be like. So here, let me throw this to you. Like that would have been if if after uh, if in two thousand the off season in sixteen, if the Cubs extend Chris for Chris Bryant for the exact same Riley deal, you don't say this, right? You probably go, yeah, that's a that's a fair deal. He won the MVP. He won the World Series. Um, that's the that's a deal. Well, now we are uh, seven, six years later, after he did the MVP caliber year, that's probably a fair, like that's probably market value for Austin Riley. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, uh, and, and I think that, the other cool thing, and I think something that they probably wanted to do, my guess, like, what was the last, in my mind, outside of Adrian Beltre, give me the last, like, one-team third baseman that was a superstar that did that. And, like, like Chipper Jones. Like, Chipper Jones. So, like, if you're Atlanta, you're going you're, – you're getting – and everybody loved Chipper Jones. Everybody right. in baseball loved Chipper Jones. He's beloved, so, yeah. Right. And so, and I think some of this, like some of the reason you do some of this is you do take pressure off guys backs. No doubt. Like these guys are now going out there 
with an understanding that they've gotten paid, and we've talked about this. All, all they want to do now is win. Zero, There is zero other thoughts in their head other than winning. And for teams that want to compete and teams that want to win, that's how you do it. Now, it doesn't mean you got to extend everybody. It also doesn't mean that you it, need to pay guys early because there are for sure certain guys. I would have – I would have – I think if Javi Baez signs an early extension, he doesn't play as good. He's a guy to me that needs that, like he needs that fire. Yeah, he yeah. needs that, right? So like, I think that you also find that. I think you also find certain guys that need the, that they need to know that they have to do this every single night. And there's others that, hey, I want to sit back. I tell guys like before games, I listen to like slow music. I kind of just super chill. I'm really relaxed. And guys come up to me, they're like, well, dude, we're playing in like 30 minutes. What are you doing? What I say, and they're like, you know, we're getting ready to go to war. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We are getting ready to go to war. So I want to stay as calm as I possibly can prior to going to war. I don't want to ramp up before I go outside and have to stay ramped up for the next three hours. Yeah, I want to save all my energy until I get out there. And so, you know, that's just like a little piece of it. But I think you see that, you know, there's so many different personalities. You've been around already so many different personalities just in that Indianapolis clubhouse last year. Um, you can see that the way that guys tick is is uh, is is different guy to guy, obviously. Yeah, and I think Atlanta's done a great job IDing that and IDing stressful yeah. situations and guys that can handle it. Um, Alex Anthopoulos handpicked Matt Olson to be the heir to the Freddie Freeman throne, and it's yeah. obvious that Matt can handle that and thrive uh, in this circumstance. And you know what? It also kind of helps that Matt Olson is from Atlanta, Georgia, and, and he always kind of wanted it's... to be a brave. Yeah, it's huge. My question to you is, do you like that? Do you like Matt Olson over Freddie Freeman? I do. I do. For what? You bought six years of, like, Freddie Freeman was 33 years old. Matt Olson okay. was 27 at time 27, of 27, you got, what, eight years, right, for Matt Olson? You got two eight more years. years. Eight years for Matt Olson, and I think it was $2 million more in just total Yeah, money. I was going to say, it was the same It was the same money. It was like eight years and five years, right? Yeah, or eight years and six. Eight, eight and six, I want to say. Okay. So the Dodgers are paying him 33 through 39, if I'm not mistaken. And okay. the Braves are paying Matt Olson 27 through 35. Um, I also think Matt Olson has the ability to be one of the best power bats in baseball. We saw 39 homers in Oakland the year before the trade. And Matt Olson is one of those guys that, you know, and you can speak to this so much better than I can. Matt Olson is one of those guys where I feel like if I was playing first base, if I was playing on his pull side, I'm shit. Not fun. Myself. Not fun. I don't want to go no, 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 no. my way. Not fun at all. And you know what's funny? I actually, I, I, so I came up playing against Matt Olson and I had a teammate who played with him um, also. And it's interesting because I saw Matt Olson before he made the swing change. And not a lot of people know this, but like, you know, he didn't always hit with his hands out like that. Right. And, and there were, there were holes, there were clear holes there. Now when he would get a hold of a ball, it would still go a country mile, but there were holes. And I specifically remember we're pitching to him in Nashville and he had done this. It was the first time I'd seen it. And I thought, man, this is going to be the, like, he just made my job so much easier. Your holes are now even bigger. And we went to the same spots, and there were not there anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I will say this: he's more athletic. I think we can all say that. Yeah, he's a Gold Glover. Freddie's a good defender, but Matt Olson's a premier defender. Um, I do love that you get two more years. I do love that he's an Atlanta guy. I've just I'm a Freddie Freeman advocate because I think he, I think he's arguably the most underrated player in the game. 
I think that Freddie Freeman over the last 10 years uh, has been arguably the best player in baseball. No, dude. I mean, when you think of hit tool in recent memory, like your mind should go to Joe Maurer. Your mind should go to Freddie Freeman. Who else? I mean, Mookie. I mean, but like, so you, we say hit tool and I'm in a, and you're not wrong, but the dude hits 20 plus a year also. Right. So he's not just in, in that's something that I, that's something that I, the first time I realized like watching guys do that, I specifically remember people talking about um, JD Martinez when he started going off and it was like, man, he's hitting 40 homers. You go look and like he's hitting 300 with 40 homers. Yeah. And then you go look at Nelson Cruz who's doing the same thing. And I think that's why it's so impressive that Aaron judge what he did last year was yeah. like, it's not that he hit 62. I mean, yeah, that's impressive. Well, yeah. He did it and he hit like 320. Yeah. Or whatever it was, you know, like um, there's something to be said for that. Now, going back to Matt Olson, I do believe Matt Olson either led or was really close to leading baseball in doubles also. So playing in a new park, tons of doubles, those will correlate at some point in my mind to homers. Um, I think that getting out of Oakland was probably great for him. Yeah. I've heard this stat. Don't know if it's true or not. I tell everybody because I love it. I was told that if you're a starting pitcher in Oakland and you make every start, make like 30 to 32 starts a year, that you gain, I believe, 30 outs more than average because of the foul ground. So you, in essence, if you make every start, you get to start the year with a, with a complete game shutout. Huh. That's Wild. cool. That's a really cool stat. I don't know yeah. if I believe it or not, but I kind of do, I, and I love it. I, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I've heard it once, and it was somebody that pitched in Oakland. It was a it, now he didn't spend his career in Oakland, but he did pitch there. Um, and that was one of the things he said was that you know, and and so I tell you that, and now go look at go look at arms that have come out of that have gone and got traded to Oakland and have dominated. In Oakland, they right. We talk about Oakland. You know, one of the episodes that I was on for the Just Baseball show, we talked about how I think that Oakland, over the past twenty years, has been a team. I think what Billy Bean has done over the past twenty years, outside of just Moneyball, like if Moneyball is never put on TV, it's really impressive what Billy Bean has done in Oakland and how they've competed every single year. To me, and these trades that they make, they're good baseball trades. Very rarely do you see them get beat bad on trades. Uh, I say that, and then the Sean Murphy trade, and everybody's saying they got crushed on the Sean Murphy trade. Right. Um, but uh, either way, it, you know, they they those things happen. But when they do make these trades for arms, typically, you know, five, six, seven years ago, when they were making those trades for middle of the rotation, top of the rotation arms, they were Jeff Samarja, John Lester. Um, those guys were going over and shoving in in Oakland, and didn't necessarily have the same results other places. Yeah um park factor by okay. home run value so baseball okay. savant is a great tool park factor um easiest ballpark to hit a home run in in major league baseball it has to be colorado no cincinnati colorado sixth cincinnati is one uh the guaranteed rate the white Sox is two dodger stadium is three angel stadium is four interesting right that is um, interesting the oakland coliseum is the second hardest park to hit a home run in by park factor. Right. Obviously, Comerica is the hardest. 
Um, so Oakland, Matt Olson just went from his home ballpark being number 29 on this list to number 15 on this list, right yeah. in the middle. And he with, had 39 with, homers as an Oakland A. Yeah. With, and like, I don't, I didn't watch a ton of Braves. I didn't watch a ton of baseball this year, but I didn't watch a ton of Braves games, especially. I would go to guess that a few of the home runs that Matt Olson, the few of the doubles, a bunch of the doubles that Matt Olson hit were off that wall in right center. Yeah. Or in right. So, yeah. That's him figuring that out, right? He didn't have that wall in Oakland. He had that gap where he could pull a ball down the line. And for him, that was probably where you go. Like, if I'm in Oakland and I'm a lefty or a righty, you're going down the lines. Because once you get past uh, right and left, when you get right and left center, the wall goes up. So that could be something that he's got to learn. Um, I think he will. And I, 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 love, I, I like the Matt Olson signing. I really do. I liked it. I liked it because they extended it. If they wouldn't have extended him, I don't know that I would have liked it as much. Right. I just, man, and he was the face, man. It was, and Freddie Freeman was the face. And you know what? It probably wouldn't have even been as bad, like, if he wasn't so sad about it. Like, he came out right. and was, like, That's so sad. Thing. That's the thing. You yeah, know? it's like, ah, oh, damn, you could have had Freddie, but you opted for the younger guy with probably, like, I don't know. I, I'm sure they did, you know, like, some sort of projection. And Age 27 through 35 compared to 33 for 39, that feels like a no-brainer to me. And I know well, it's and, Freddie Freeman. And, and you're getting two years for the same amount of money. And yeah, with what Anthopolis is doing, he needed to save some money. You still got a superstar. I don't want to I don't know if you can call him a super. You got a star. The star. You got a star. You got a star. You got a star first baseman. Um, like you got a you have a guy that can be a perennial all-star at first base. Yes. Um for for less money than Freddie Freeman for a longer time. So I'm good with that for what you're building. I'm willing, like, I think we can make that up in other places, which you have. You've made that up with Sean Murphy. Now you've made that up with um, Austin Riley. You know, you've made that up with pieces you had in house, thankfully. But, uh, you know, I I do think that, that I just, man, that team, it's, it's cool. Like there's so much, this off season has been so cool. And mainly cool because of the NL East. Yes. Uh, you know, seeing what Steve Cohen's done, seeing what the Braves have done. And a trade for $300 million to Philly, right? And how about Gene Segura to Miami? Fire me up. I just read something saying that they're still talking, the Marlins are still considering Escobar, too. Uh, really? That's kind of wild, right? Huh. Why? I don't know. Gross. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get you, let's get to Devers. Let's get to Devers. Yeah, let's we do Devers real quick to wrap up. Um, yeah. Rafi Devers, what it was eleven years, three thirty one. Um, no, no, that was reported. Did, okay, the only reason I say that is I literally I just read this like yesterday. Obviously, it happened yesterday. I read right. this last night on the way home. Reported eleven at three thirty one, but he'd already agreed to twenty twenty three salary. So it's a 10 year, three twelve and a half or three thirteen and a half after 2023. Huh. Okay. So he's making he's making what he because he had already agreed. So he's making one and seventeen and a half this year. And then it's a 10 year three hundred and thirteen and a half million dollar deal, I believe. Interesting. All right. Which totals out to eleven at three thirteen. Yeah, so we just had this conversation on Friday's Just Baseball show. Um, who is the better hitter for the foreseeable future? 
Austin Riley or Rafael Devers. Riley had a 142 WRC plus. Devers had a 141. Devers had like an 879 OPS. Riley had an 878. They were they were separated by one point in WRC plus and OPS. I personally, without diving into it too much, I'm going to go Rafi Devers. I like Devers. I like Devers in Fenway. I like the short. I like the the porch and left or in right. Um, I like the other thing that I like about Devers. Devers has done this being the guy in the lineup. And I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Um, You know, when guys go to other teams and they don't become the guy, Austin Riley, great player, but you know what? He wasn't the most feared guy in that lineup. No. And if everybody's healthy next year, he's the third or fourth, you know, most feared guy in that lineup. Rafi Devers is the most feared guy in that lineup for the foreseeable future. Right. And, and, and he's still producing. Okay, now flip side, does the lack of protection hurt him in the long run? No, because he he gets protected. I I don't know who, I don't know I don't know what they go do, but I think that this was a great first step for that that front office to make. They were getting worn out about not committing to any of their hometown players. Uh, you know, obviously they got rid of Mookie. Um, Bogarts, they go get yeah. they get rid of Bogarts. They let JD walk stuff like that, um, you had to start somewhere. you know. And that was one thing that I've said the whole time is I understand letting certain guys go. I'm not sure that that you ever let Mookie go. I think that one to me is like uh, you search your whole career as a for front Mookie office Betts. guy for the guy to build your team around. Yeah. When he's on your team. So, like, I said this about the Juan Soto trade last year. I, I – you probably won't meet a bigger Juan Soto advocate than me. I think Juan Soto is going to be the face of baseball. I really think that he is just an incredible bat. I think that Washington, I think that was the question, was like, I I understood letting Bryce walk. Honestly, I did. I, I think that he was going to take the biggest money wherever he could get it. I it was That's fine. You search your whole life for a guy that's going to be a free agent at what's – he's going to be like 24. Yeah. When he's a free he's agent. 25, I want to say, yeah. You you search to build around that guy. So my question to their front office would have been, you are trading for three or – you traded for like a few really high-named guys. None of them project to be as good as Juan Soto. Right. And so who do you build around? Yeah, you're going to build around C.J. Abrams. You're going to build around Robert Hassel when he gets there. And wood and gore, yeah. But you had that piece. You had arguably the second best hitter in baseball, the guy to build around. The Red Sox had that with Mookie. You let him walk. There's certain guys I just don't – Mike Trout leaving Anaheim would have been a travesty. Right. Five years ago. Right. Him leaving now, you know, maybe. The team's not – I get it. It's not working. But, like – you couldn't let him work. You had to try everything you had to work around it. Now, same language with Otani or no? So I, what I've said about Trout and Otani is that, and it, I hate to say this, but like, it's not working. They're not winning with those two. So, and it's not that they're not spending money. 
because you went and got Rendon. I get it. He's been hurt, but you spent money and it's, you're not winning. I, I believe you've got to get rid of one of them. I think you got to try to move Shohei and get some, get some pieces back. Also, can you afford Shohei? Like what kind of contract is he going to get? I don't know. I have no is he idea. He's going to break the AAV record. He will break the AAV record by a wide, wide margin. I, you know, so, so no, the answer is no. And I think that Shohei is just such an outlier in every discussion that we have, which is crazy to think that like we're talking about this, but we're talking about a guy that's doing something that we haven't seen since Babe Ruth. And even when Babe Ruth did it, he wasn't this good on the mound. And he wasn't doing it at the same time. That's the thing. He was a really good pitcher, and then he was a really good hitter. It's not both at the yeah. same time. I remember, I, I think it, it might have been somebody on your guys' podcast, but I, I listened to somebody say, like, imagine uh, Tom Brady throws 350 and four touchdowns and then leaves the team in tackles. Yeah. Like, that, unheard of it's unheard of and i grasp that like look we're a non-contact sport i get all that man we wouldn't be talking about this if he was doing it average if he was doing it like a let's be honest he has a teammate jared walsh they tried it he was okay but lorenzen wanted to try it lorenzen wanted to try it right and you know there were a bunch of guys that have wanted to try it but nobody was good enough you have you had to be a star on both. You had to be one of the best players on both. So, so no, I don't think Otani's the same. Um, but let me say this too: I don't think Otani's the same because you have Mike Trout. Yeah, fair. And you have that one guy, and it, 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 tying it full circle, it feels like because the Red Sox let their equivalent of one of them go, they yeah. had to sign the other, and that's what they did yeah. with Devers. Totally, and I, you know. I got him. I got him just being a flat out hitter, dude. Like I love watching that guy hit. I just think, I think that that he hits. I don't. I haven't looked like dove in too much with him or Austin Riley, but um, yeah, I got I got him. And he's doing it in the AL East, man. Like I don't know. I, I like it. I like Devers. In, I like Devers staying in Boston. Yeah, and I just love the bowling ball of dip that he has in his mouth at all times. I think it's absolutely it's not electric. It's not dip. It's not tobacco. It's not, it's not tobacco. chewing gum. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go. Chewing gum. Perfect. Yeah. All right. If you liked this conversation, smash the subscribe button. We'll be back. Please. Episode two going to be Alec Mills. Taylor Davis, this was fun, man. Let's do it a couple times a week. Cool? Yeah, this was awesome. Let's do it again. Sweet. We'll talk to you guys soon.